Four games left for most in the EFL. Squads being tested to the limit with the Easter programme looming. Who will crack? Who's showing how hard-boiled they are soldiering on? Who's looking so good they're about to get poached? These and other torturous egg-based puns will stop right now as an injury-ravaged squad needs pushing here and needs putting back together like Humpty Dumpty. Blast it, I said no more. Let's talk EFL on the Totally Football League show. Back once again with a relegation action. That doesn't quite scan, but I think I know what the producer was talking about. It's me, Ian Danter, sitting in the hot seat once again to guide you through everything that happened and allegedly happened in the EFL, but I can't do it alone. So first up, whilst all around him here is chaos and ever-changing, we have a colossal constant in the form of former Ipswich striker Sam Parkin. And you see how they put Ipswich deliberately in the introduction there, Sam. It's just not fair, is it? Morning, Dance. More, more appearances this season than I've had at any of my former clubs almost. <laughs> and alongside Sam, a man who's been crunching the numbers furiously on managers, Oxford United and adopted side Leatherhead United, which we won't discuss, probably just means he's been typing in 58,008 into his calculator and turning it upside down for good measure. Good visual joke for you there. It's voiceover man, reporter man, commentator man, producer man and family man, Simon Watts. How are you, Simon? And when you're really desperate, I end up here in the studio. No, no, there's no, no <laughs> desperation here. It's a deep squad. We have at the Totally Football League show, and a man also alongside us who's just hoping for a quiet life supporting Bolton. Seems unlikely. Hello, Joe Crilly. Good morning. What's the latest on Bolton, then? They're still rubbish. OK, that's fine. Beautifully, succinctly done. We really don't need to flesh that any more than we should. Let's get straight into the action. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. So things are really heating up in the Championship after Leeds beat Sheffield Wednesday. That was after Sheffield United could only draw earlier in the day with Millwall and a draw is all that Norwich could muster against relegation-threatened Wigan on Sunday afternoon. At the other end of the table, we say goodbye to the first team in the EFL as the inevitable finally happened at Portman Road. Ipswich drew with Birmingham, which wasn't enough for the Tractor Boys. As for the playoffs, it's still absolutely no clearer as to who will be in the top six come the end of the season. Wins for Villa, Derby and Middlesbrough, keeping that race tantalisingly close. But let's start at the top where we had another strange weekend, Sam Parking, of swings. Whereas last weekend we had Preston being beaten at home by, by Sheffield United, Leeds then losing at Birmingham. This weekend it was West Yorkshire dominating over South Yorkshire. Yeah, I mean, it's just so difficult to predict. I think we, we had a go a few weeks ago, but I mean, so, so many twists and turns really. Leeds, fantastic against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, 28 attempts on goal, only six on the target, but... I mean, if it wasn't for Kieran Westwood, it would have been a lot more healthier, uh, their margin of victory. Some really good performances in there. Calvin Phillips is on fire, you know, playing as a centre-half again at the moment. Tyler Roberts got a lot of the plaudits, didn't get himself a goal, but he was one that was certainly testing Westwood frequently during that game. So, no, really convincing performance them. I think tactically, again, Bielsa showing what a, a top manager he is. Obviously, the other side of Yorkshire, Chris Wilder, a lot of changes in this game. Basham going off early on, instead of replacing him with a, a central defender, he put Gary Medine up there who scored the goal, but it meant a system change. And I don't know, maybe in hindsight, stick with the way that you've been getting the results through the, throughout the course of the season. And maybe that was, you know, credit to Neil Harris for coming and, and putting on a really good display aside. Well, Simon, we always look for moments in the season and we won't know until the 5th of May what bearing it has, but that late Jake Cooper header after Millwall had missed a penalty, let's not forget, during the course of the second half, could prove to be the turning point 
of the season that we look back on. Well, my big worry for Sheffield United isn't just the drop points in that game. You look at the injuries and suspensions in key areas that are really starting to pile up now. I mean, namely their captain and top scorer, Billy Sharp. Uh, Basham, as you mentioned, went off uh, both hamstring injuries. Uh, John Egan, with his wonderful save on the line that proved to be a handball getting sent off, means he's out for the next three games as well. And uh, as you say, I think with that added to the fact that a lot of Sheffield United supporters were quite critical, I noticed, after the game on Saturday as well which is hard to believe when they're doing so well this season but that decision that Sam mentioned to bring Gary Medine on I think they they were looking at other options maybe Scott Hogan uh, who could have made a bigger difference and whether that really threw the balance of the game out as well and there's a guy on Twitter called Blades Analytics which the the clue is in the title is a Sheffield United fan who deeply analyses all of their games and uh, uh, he pointed out a stat that in the last five matches Sheffield United have only won the XG battle for those who are interested in expected goals only once in their last five games. Mm. Concern definitely Sam over Basham and Sharp particularly for Chris Wilder who couldn't wait to rush on at the end of the game and yeah. and wag the finger at the uh, the referee but then was much more considered with his post-match comments saying that we played it safe. I thought it was the correct result. In the end. I don't think he thought that 20 minutes before at full time. Well, it was an awful decision. It's Ryan Leonard who came steaming into David McGoldrick, who, who by all accounts is outstanding again, McGoldrick, at the weekend in a variety of positions. Played up front, played in, in midfield. But I think Millwall, on the face of it, deserved the point. And obviously they, they, they missed the penalty kick. But the circumstances leading to the equaliser... You, you're going to be sickened. And I could completely understand Chris Wilder. There's decisions in the early part of the season that go against you and you think it's going to it's going to level itself out. But when you're getting down to the nitty gritty and they're tussling as they are with leads at the top of the table, that was a really poor decision from the referee. But Simon, how big is that for Millwall? Let's look on the flip side in their relegation scrap. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a game in hand on those teams around them as well, which if they can get a result from that game in hand, uh, you know, they're, they're virtually, well, certainly a lot of space, five points between themselves and the bottom three. I mean, I, I love Millwall this year. I'd love them to stay up just because they are that team that, you know, they don't clearly have the resources of many of the teams they play against. They've got a lot of players that they've kind of bought from the lower leagues. Neil Harris went with a back five for the first time in his managerial career at the weekend just to counter Sheffield United's system. And actually, I know Chris Wilder said... He he still felt his side should have won the game, but I thought Millwall has some really good opportunities. And if it wasn't for the goalkeeper, uh, Henderson, I think they could have come away with even more, really. Speaking of goalkeepers, I know Neil Harris spoke to David Martin straight after the, the FA Cup quarterfinal where they were so close, Millwall, to getting through before David Martin had a horror moment and let the ball slip through his grasp, which meant for extra time. But Neil was straight to David Martin said, you're playing for me the next league game. And David Martin's form, talk about Dean Henderson, but David Martin's form for Millwall since that, that awful moment at the Den has been tremendous. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a problem area. So so great to have you know someone nailing down that, that number one spot. I think Simon's point's a great point about the, the, the formation. You think, where's this upward trajectory going to stop for, for Millwall? And, it is a concern if they were stuck in playing four four two, you know, for for season on season. If they can't, I suppose, recruit a better type of player. So to have flexibility now, if they were going to play a five, he's played five four one at times. Played a lone striker with Ben Thompson supporting them. I think just to have that moving forward, you know, potentially for a, for another season, the championship next year, it's got to be you know really bright for Mill just to not be so stuck in their, their old ways, if you like, having to have two strikers on the pitch and playing a, a back four. John Egan's handball, I just have to say, the uh, the desire to stay on his, on his knees, face down, inside the goal, 
knowing that there was a red card coming, but somehow thinking that being face down in the dirt was somehow going to absolve him of uh, of the red card. It's a brilliant moment. You footballers, you're all the same, aren't you? I think he knew. I don't think he was feigning the. Old, I don't think he was feigning the old injury. Of course he knew. I think he knew, didn't he? <laughs> he he nearly, definitely. It nearly paid off there, didn't it? Because they missed the penalty, and had they won that game, it was it was worth the sacrifice. Maybe so. Maybe gazemanship almost paid off. Talking about Leeds Wednesday, does that mean Steve Bruce's team? We can discount them from the playoff race with that defeat? I think so. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd kind of ruled them out after that Villa defeat, but there's no sh- shame in it at all. I mean, what a fantastic job that he's done. I wasn't entirely sure about the appointment, but no, he's he's got them really playing some good stuff. I think Hooper, I spoke about last week, that could be a real positive him in returning. Not sure what his situation is in regard to next season, but no, certainly done a, a remarkable job. I, I think, realistically, we're talking about Bristol City, Middlesbrough and Derby for that, that last position now. Going back to Norwich, Kings of the late goal, another one, but this time away from home rather than at Carrow Road to get them a point at Wigan. We'll talk about the significance of that goal for Wigan and the point that they've got. But Norwich, four points clear of Leeds. They're not going to surrender the title, are they? Well, you look at those four points that they've gained just in the last week with late goals. They looked like they were heading to a surprise defeat at home to Reading in midweek and scored two late on. Didn't play particularly well, but got the points on the board. And again, at Wigan, Leon Clark had a goal disallowed, which could have won it for Wigan, but they, they rode their luck a little bit. Timo Puki got his goal. 5,000 travelling supporters up there as well. Great celebrations in that away end. And uh, I guess that is the sign of a team that gets themselves over the line, isn't it? They've had a particularly good week, but they've got those four more points on the board that could be the difference. Although that gap closing a little bit, and I wonder whether that might be a good incentive for the likes of Leeds and Sheffield United to try and chase them down. Daniel Farker almost taking the words of Lenny Kravitz. It's not over. You are not over the line until you're over the line. Almost. but not quite. Their mentality has been tested a number of times, Sam Parkin, and they've come through more than once, Norwich, when it looks like they're going to drop points at a vital point. Yeah, they've got incredible resilience. Obviously, dropped four points in the last couple of games, but, I mean, it's Reading and it's it's Wigan who are fighting for their lives, so they weren't at their free-flying best uh, against Wigan. There's, and that's credit to Wigan. Yeah, and, and there's, there's obviously Leitner and there's also Vrancic who are sitting on the bench at the moment, and I think they just have a bit more pace in their, mm. their passing so potentially they could come back into the reckoning for Daniel Farker, Buendia as well. That's a, a big miss because he's the player that can turn the game on its head, you know, along with, with Pukki. So not everything going Norwich's way at the moment. But yeah, of course, credit Wigan, who a funny one this season. You Come into the season, you expect it going to be all about Powell and, and Grigg. I've said it a few times. And uh, Morsi and Power had that great relationship in League One. Well... You know, it's it's James now in there with with Morsi, and at the weekend it was Lee Evans supporting Leon Clark up front. So it's it's different personnel, but Paul Cook sets them up in a four-two-three-one normally, and um, yeah, they, they look like they were good value for the for the points certainly. And and Leon Clark bitterly unlucky with one chance, and I think it was his, was it his arm or maybe his left leg that was just beyond the last defender yeah. for the offside one. So. I don't know, there was a few decisions, wasn't there? Because I don't think their penalty was a penalty in my in my mind. The the, the Reese James um, penalty, uh, I think it was Godfrey whose arm it hit, it ricocheted off his knee and hit his arm. I don't like those to be given as penalties, to be honest. If your team was attacking, would you be screaming for a no. penalty if that was you? And no. I'm not sure that, well... I wouldn't be. When no. I was playing, I can only call it, like, you know, back then and... There's got to be, it's got to be deliberate to a degree, uh, I think. And I know it's this unnatural position, 
but I think if a ball ricochets off a, a defender's knee who's flying out to do the right thing and block a shot, if it um, skips up and hit his arm, I don't think that's a penalty kick. Well, that point leaves Wigan two above Rotherham, just outside the relegation zone. Wigan on 42, Rotherham on 40. Just back to the top for a moment. The run-ins for the three respective protagonists for automatic promotion. Norwich, Sheffield Wednesday on Good Friday in the evening, pretty much after everybody else has had a go, so they get last chance to react to results. Stoke away, Blackburn at home and Villa away, last game of the season for the Canaries. Leeds are at home to Wigan Good Friday afternoon, then away at Brentford, home to Villa and away at relegated Ipswich, along on to them in a minute. And Nottingham Forest at home for Sheffield United, followed by Hull away, Ipswich at home and Stoke away. Who's got the easier running, Simon Watts? Oh, it's so hard to call that one in the championship. I mean, you look at the teams and what they might have left to play for. And from a Leeds perspective, yeah, they've got Wigan at home, who's still obviously got a relegation battle on their hands. But they've got Villa as well, who need the points to get into the playoffs, where Sheffield United's running, arguably, by the time they play Hull on Easter Monday, Hull might be out of that playoff hunt and they might be coming up against teams with very little to play for but I do find it a strange twist of irony that Sheffield Wednesday could have such a huge say in Sheffield United's promotion chances having played Leeds at the weekend and uh, and still got to play Norwich City as well I know as an Oxford fan we were in a position where uh, we had to lose for Swindon to come down with us about six seven years ago or something like that and Oxford fans were cheering in the goals when Bristol Rovers were scoring against us <laughs> Oh, the cockeyed intensity of football fans. You can't beat it, can you? Let's talk playoffs at this point, Sam Parkin. Villa didn't need Jack Grealish to see off Bristol City, despite a brilliant goalkeeping performance from young Max O'Leary for Bristol City. Ten shots on target out of 25, but only scored twice. Here's a young kid who's got a great prospect for the future, but Villa got over the line and that's eight straight wins. They have, but again, a really debatable penalty decision to give um, Villa the lead. Uh, it was Jack Hunt on Conor Hurahan, and mm. I just felt that felt he went far down far too easily. I mean, he was tackling from the wrong side, but a huge stroke of luck. I mean, not taking anything away from Villa because I think they were really good value for for the win. And uh, Bristol City, will feel they were hard done by, but I think Villa, you know, without Mings, without Grealish as well, players that are coming into the mix, Jedinak at centre-half by all accounts, mm-hmm. El Ghazi led Jack Hunt a little bit of a merry dance. So good value, but I can understand Lee Johnson being really unhappy with that award. They needed that, didn't they, Simon? The fact that they could learn to win a game without Jack Grealish because that's been psychologically somewhere lodged in their minds, hasn't it? Definitely, and, and Colour Huran is an interesting player, actually, because I remember a game at home to West Brom a couple of months ago before this good run really started, and uh, the Villa fans were on his back, giving him a bit of grief, but his game really came together after that and has coincided at the same time with this run. Obviously, so much attention on Jack Grealish, quite rightly so, but mm. actually, Hurahan's chipped in with a, a few important goals. He did so again at the weekend, and his all-round performances in midfield, I think, have come on tenfold. So probably worth a mention for him that, and as you say, they found a way of winning without Grealish in the team. And eight wins in a row now for the first time since 1975. Obviously in great form. Are they going to peak too early? I don't know. They've got four games left and, and they, you know, surely they can't win 12 out of 12. And also chapeau to Sam Parkin for his uh, peerless pronunciation of Jack Hunt. 
You have to make sure you're so, so careful. I said it twice with as that well. Note. Yeah, exactly. It's gone full blast. Good work. Mason Mount was in excellent form for Derby as they thrashed Bolton by four goals. Then there were those lovely pictures of him yeah. with Ashley Cole when he was knee-high to the proverbial. And there he is, smacking him home with a weekend set up by Ashley Cole. Beautiful, our football comes full circle sometimes. It was brilliant, yeah, lovely photo. And he's such an accomplished finisher. Mason Mount and, and watching him in development football I was a little bit worried about his his physicality I suppose but having had that season at Vitesse I've really seen the strides that he's made in his game he can go past people now his best characteristic is always going to be his ability to see a pass uh, I think still but arriving in the box we saw so evident uh, at the weekend three different types of goals linking up beautifully with Waghorn who was outstanding as a number nine which Obviously, he's been a bit of a problem for them recently without Marriott. Just quickly, um, do you think he'll stay next year as a Derby player, regardless? Um, that's a really interesting question. I could potentially see him doing what Tammy did and um, go off to a team in the lower reaches of the Premier League. Mm. I think he's been that good this season. I just wanted to give you one stat Go on. in Adrian's absence. 24 goals, 15 assists in his 76 professional appearances to this date. So he's create, creating a goal or scoring a goal in every two games, basically. More than decent. Borough as well, we should give them a quick mention. Back on form after what was a pretty wretched run under Tony Pulis, Simon. Uh, back in the hunt for a playoff place, it would seem. Yeah, back winning games in terms of performance levels, though. I know that Pulis said it was very edgy and obviously they had to rely on their goalkeeper to make a brilliant save, Darren Randolph from Kamil Grzycki, who's probably the player I've enjoyed watching uh, so much this season, Kamil Grzycki, for Hull City when he's on fire. But uh, yeah, they got the points on the board. I still question their stay in power, though, because I still think that the supporters, the jury is very much still out on their manager, isn't it? And again, like we were talking about Sheffield United, Daniel Ayala went off with a knee injury. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. And now add to that George Friend as well. A couple mm. of key players missing for them. And I still question whether Britt Sombolonga is really the type of striker that, that Tony Pulis wants up front there, but needs must at the moment. And he has got two in two. We do say goodbye to Ipswich, your old club, Sam Parkin, from the Championship. First time they've dropped down to the third tier since 1957. Kind of inevitable. You know, it's been a stay of execution, really. But... There's mixed views, it would appear. You know, some Ipswich fans think that Paul Lambert has done nothing to improve the situation. Some would look at what he did with Norwich when they went down to the 30s, say he's the perfect guy. They seem to be a bit happier, the, the fan base. He seems to have galvanised them, even though it's been, you know, really tricky results-wise since he came in. I mean, we could be here all day. You take it back to the start of the season. Uh, would it have been more intelligent maybe to bring in a manager that had a bit more of a track record in the championship or even a bit more experience at League One level. Paul Hurst did amazingly well for a, for a season at Shrewsbury, but would he have been able to go again and put together another squad at League One to be that competitive? So, yes, he was a you know he was in a really good position after that good spell at Shrewsbury, but it was a big gamble. And with that as well, you know, when you're recruiting players, he had to get some experienced players in there as well. Some players that are battle-hardened for, for the championship. Yes, his hands were probably tied to a degree with finances. And I, I have sympathy because the likes of Waghorn and Garner and, and McGoldrick left. That was, you know, not his doing. So yeah. he was in a difficult position straight away. But I think problems made there moving forward. Paul Lambert has got the experience. I'm, I'm not entirely sure he's someone who's going to get that complete feel-good factor back for the for the players. I've heard good stuff about him from friends of mine and I've heard negative stuff about him and that's maybe the nature of the beast. A lot of good young players, though, Dance. Well, Loads of good young players in and around the squad now. 
they'll be competitive next year. There is lots of positivity around the supporters. We actually caught up with one on the Totally Football League show. Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Mondays podcast told us why there is an air of optimism around Portman Road. The relations between fans and manager were just so, so bad with McCarthy. Tip for tat on, on both sides, Mick would ignore the fans anytime he walked out, wouldn't acknowledge them during games, sniped at them during press conference and then the infamous F off when we scored, took the lead away at Norwich. The fans obviously, you know, certain chance. So it had really bottomed out. And I think a lot of the fans are just pleased to have a kind of united managerial and fan relationship. Obviously, Paul Lambert's going to need to put some points on the board and be challenging for that good feeling to hang around for any length of time in League One next season. We saw the figures last year. Blackburn and Wigan paid pretty much four times the salaries of every other team and bounced straight back. So logic would say if Marcus Evans doesn't squeak too much off what he's spending on wages at the moment, they should be able to have a squad that should be able to be promoted. I keep saying should. That's the operative word. We know Marcus Evans has a history of doing things as cheaply as he possibly can. So if he cuts back that wage bill, if players go out and those losses of revenues um, transpire to create a much worse squad, then it could be by no means straight back because we've seen from Sheffield United that every season you're down, the harder it gets. Benjamin Bloom there from the Blue Mondays podcast. Our thanks to him. Just before we get the uh, odds from uh, Joe Crowley from William Hill, Alex Neal signed a new three-year contract at Preston. They played at West Brom on Saturday. Everyone thought that West Brom were going to nip into the visiting dressing room at full-time and say, would you like to join us? Clearly hasn't happened. Good news for Preston, I guess, Simon, but what for West Brom? The, the, the management of this situation has been appalling, hasn't it? It has, but somehow on the pitch, results have been coming together again for them, haven't they? So I guess that's bought them a little bit of time with uh, Jimmy Chan in charge there. But uh, the game of the weekend, they were absolutely... I mean, the goals they gave away, Preston, were absolutely terrible. And you wonder whether he kind of failed his audition in that match. The second (laughs) goal, I really enjoyed, in a perverse way, watching Josh Earl's reaction to giving the the ball away. And then when the ball hit the back of the net, he, he just kind of slumped to the ground with his shirt over the top of his head, clearly wanting the ground to swallow swallow him up but uh, I mean to be fair Alex Neal's done a really good job with Preston this year and I think that he's building a good young team of players in the way Ipswich probably tried to model their team in the summer they didn't quite get it right in terms of plucking players from the lower divisions to push on Top two odds then let's get straight on to that Joe with all the toing and froing and the advantage Leeds United you would think uh, is that reflected in the odds? Yeah very much so Leeds odds on at 2-7 to seven to finish in the top two Sheffield United 9-4 to four and Norwich unsurprisingly 1-50 to 50. OK there's a couple of teams that look set fair for the playoffs but there's still one or two places up for grabs what have you got there for top six? Yeah so that uh, that race for the top six that we were talking about uh, Sheffield Wednesday they are 50-1 to one to go up Hull 40-1 to one. Uh, so that race really between the three Bristol City Borough and Derby Four to seven, Bristol City. So advantage them at the moment. Middlesbrough getting this little run together. Nine to four, second favourites to make it into the playoffs. And Derby three to one. 
OK. And who's joining Ipswich in League One just finally? Uh, well, Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> uh, that wasn't a leading question. <laughs> it was a more general point, but thank you for bringing it up. Bolton will be relegated this uh, at their next match if, okay. they, if they lose to, to uh, Villa. So um, we aren't even quoting them. It's a foregone conclusion, pretty much. Rotherham, 2-7 to seven to join Bolton and Ipswich. Wigan, 11-2. to two. It's a real shame, though, because Rotherham have put together a decent run recently, and, and it would be a shame to see them go down. But then again, Wigan and Millwall have also uh, done the business recently. All nicely complicated. Thank you, Joe. Let's head straight to League One, then, where things are as clear as mud. Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill, available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply, you can find out more at williamhill.com and remember, when the fun stops, stop. Oh, League One, so much fun. But what's Barton allegedly gone and done? It's all happening at both ends of the table this week as three points separate second place Barnsley and fifth place Charlton, whilst it's now eight points between Shrewsbury in 13th and Warsaw in 23rd in this epic Games of Thrones-esque relegation battle. I've never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. Am I alone in this No, you're this not. Studio? You and me both. You and me both. No, it's passed me by. I did about two series and then I was told in no uncertain terms we're not watching it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs Parkin put a foot down. I wanted to persevere, but yeah, (laughs) it was off, line of duty. Okay, fair enough. Moving on, Barnsley 4, Fleetwood 2, one of the results of the weekend and one of the stories of the weekend. Joey Barton's alleged assault of Daniel Stendhal, the talk of this match, sadly. Barnsley released a statement this morning saying Barnsley Football Club can confirm it has lodged a formal complaint to both the English Football League and the Football Association. This is following an alleged incident at the conclusion of match on Saturday the 13th of April. South Yorkshire Police say we are aware of something that has taken place in the tunnel after the game and we are investigating. Of course, there were those pictures of Joey Barton trying to leave the stadium uh, Oakwell on Saturday in a in a private car and being stopped by the long arm of the law who wanted a, a quiet word with him. Tunnels are strange places, aren't they, Sam Parkin? There's a lot of testosterone flying around in there with players and managers and whatnot. There's lots of unseen things that we as fans know nothing about. Many a story, I'm quite sure. Yeah, I think when I first started playing, but still a lot of posturing, really. Uh, you know, a lot of pushing and shoving, not a great deal goes on. I think they're better marshalled now if you like with stewards and security and stuff like that so I don't think it ever gets to, to fisticuffs really I suppose this is just unprecedented because it's a manager that that's potentially involved players yes there's been incidents over the year but I can't remember managers ever coming to blows Fleetwood aren't making any further comment at this time there was a tweet from Corley Woodrow which he quickly deleted the Barnsley striker uh, saying the manager had been quote physically assaulted and left with blood pouring from his face this is not what we want to hear, uh, Simon Watts. There's no winners in this situation, really, no matter how this plays out, really, is there because it has been so public. I mean, what I would say is that it's a real shame. I'm, I'm sure you probably worked with Joey Barton before. I've interviewed him a couple mm-hmm. of times as Fleetwood manager this season. And I got the feeling that he'd been really reinventing himself, particularly on the touchline where, you know, he was not maybe the what people were expecting him to be. And we all know he's he's very eloquent and intelligent guy. And I think, 
think if you look at the job he's done as a whole at Fleetwood on the pitch this season, getting them to, until recently, within touching distance of those playoff places for a first-time manager, he's done very well. So we'll see what plays out here, mm. obviously, with the letter of the law and everything. But I think it would be a very sad end uh, to his Fleetwood career you know, if that were to happen. Well, we'll have to see what the EFL and the FA make of the official complaint that Barnsley have made this morning as we're recording this podcast on that alleged incident between Messrs Barton and Stendhal. There was certainly a, a less than warm handshake that we all saw at the end of the game, but that was after Barnsley had won 4-2, Sam Parkin. Big, big win for Barnsley to keep themselves in the hunt. Yeah, and they've not been that convincing recently. So two of the goal scorers from the weekend jumped out to me, McGeehan and Jacob Brown, who had that suspension, been back in the team, but not really been at that level that they were producing before. So I think very important there. Although, you know, Fleetwood seemed to cause them a few problems on the counter. Quite open, Barnsley, obviously missing that defensive midfield player that we've spoken about uh, so often on this on this show. Mm-hmm. But they got Pinnock and, and Lindsay, who were sensational. So I think defensively, they will, they will get it right. I still believe that Barnsley are going to have enough in reserve to just get that second automatic position in front of the other guys who are in, in unbelievable form at the moment. Well, Sunderland, one of those teams chasing, Simon Watts, lost a nine-goal thriller at home to Coventry. First home defeat for the Black Cats, Sunderland four, Coventry five. What the hell happened to Mark Robin Sky Blues to be suddenly clicking on one afternoon. Uh, it's the madness of the end of the season where these crazy results suddenly start to, to rear their head, isn't it? I mean, yeah, no one could have called that losing at home, let alone by the scoreline that they lost by. But I think it does re-emphasise uh, the fact that, you know, Sunderland are sort of trying their best really to blow their opportunity again because they dropped points against Burton in midweek as well. You've got Portsmouth who were going along steadily, but seem to just not be able to crack into the, the top two. And just behind them, almost coming up completely unnoticed Charlton Athletic four wins out of four now they beat Luton and ended their long and beaten run that I know you're going to talk about yes. in a moment but suddenly now I'm looking at the league table and only three points off the automatic places but probably the team out of all of those sides by Luton in the best form right now well what all those teams know Sam is that Sunderland have got to play Portsmouth penultimate weekend of the season at the Stadium of Light Jack Ross saying after the the, the 5-4 defeat what this has done, it's made the only way we can guarantee being promoted is by winning all five games. And that includes seeing off Pompey after what happened at Wembley. I don't know whether that has any bearing on what might happen in that league encounter. No, and Portsmouth will be looking at the run in exactly the same way. You know, they win all their games, they're, they're promoted. So, yeah, mouthwatering game. I mean, let's credit Coventry for that performance because they're a good team, Coventry. Mm. They've just not been consistent enough. They're forward players. That, that's all they're missing. Defensively, I really like Willis, Bayliss in the, in the midfield. It's just getting, a, a I suppose, a, a top goal scorer into that club well, next season. Well, Anobakari's done well since coming in on loan from Wolves. We know what Bakayoko can do. And yeah. Hulu, the, 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 the talent is most definitely there. Yeah, but not consistently enough. Yeah, yeah I mean... And, and ironic that it was, um, don't know if ironic's the right word, but Chaplin getting the winner and obviously doing his old club Portsmouth a, a favour. Mm. So I understand he was at Wembley as well to cheer them to victory a few weeks ago. So that was a, a nice moment for him at the weekend. Sunderland, defensively, I think a, a lot to be you know looked at there. McLaughlin, the goalkeeper, is potentially their, their player of the year. And I think that tells a story as well. He's been at the top of his game. So... 
Yeah, it's, it's very much in the balance. Like I said a moment ago, I still feel Barnsley because they have the points and the, the fixtures to come, which are uh, not too bad. I feel they'll, they'll probably just get enough to get over the line. Well, Simon just mentioned them. Charlton Athletic yeah. coming up on the rails, a 3-1 win against Luton. So that's the 28-match unbeaten run done for the Hatters, even though they're still well clear at the top. Lyle Taylor's penalty-taking technique. <laughs> what do you make of it? Yeah, it's a bit Paul Pogba-esque, isn't it? Um, I like him. And It reminds me of Fred Flintstone when he was about to um, yeah. bowl a bowling ball down the alley. I'm such a misery this morning because I didn't think that was a penalty either. <laughs> oh, that's three, isn't it? Another Sunday, one. Well, it was... There were a few thea- dodgy ones, to be fair. It was theatrical, wasn't it, to say the least. It might have been a little bit of a tug or a push, but mm. he threw himself to the ground. But I like his story because he was up at... I think he was up at Partick Thistle a few years ago. And it's happened to him quite late, but he is an all-round, very, very good centre-forward mm. now. His hold-up play, he's very much their talisman. Everything goes through him. So, again, at the weekend, and without, obviously, Carlon Grant now, yeah. Veta Kelly getting a goal, which is really encouraging for Charlton moving forward that they've got two potential goal scorers, and they're in a, a rich vein of form. Six in seven for Lyle Taylor, uh, including that penalty. Lee Bowyer does say there's a, quote, small chance of automatic promotion. They're sat in fifth place, three points off Barnsley, so it's still pretty close, but he does say we need three to, to mess up. But there's an example, Simon Watts, of a, of a guy being promoted from within at Charlton Athletic and Lee Bowyer. Now, you, I know, have been crunching the numbers on managers at this level. Yeah, this is what my Sunday evenings have become, <laughs> looking at random stats like this. So No line of duty for Simon then, <laughs> or Victoria, or SAS, well, who dares I, I blame my missus for sitting and watching things like The Only Way is Essex, so that's why I go oh. off and, you know, See, start ITV, doing my stats. ITVB is one channel I will always <laughs> avoid. That, that, that That's one channel that my remote will never rest on, right, so long as I'm alive. So that's my justification for it anyway. But no, I've noticed recently <laughs> there's been a, a lot of interim appointments to the end of the season or what have you. You look at Rochdale, Scunthorpe having done it recently in League One, Walsall with Martin O'Connor recently as well. But Charlton did this a year ago with Lee Bowyer with no managerial experience whatsoever, barely any coaching experience at all until that season when he came in with Carl Robinson. Just over a year in charge. Let's not forget last season, they were actually meandering around mid-table when Bowyer came in and took him into the playoffs, lost in the semis. Carl and Grant left in January as well, but he's somehow moulded together this this team and they've, you know, had to do it on free transfers and what have you as well, lost a few key players uh, to get themselves into that playoff equation. Now, I worked out there are 21 managers across the three divisions in the EFL who are managers who come from internal appointments. Mm -hmm. Some of them you wouldn't even remember, like Neil Harris at Millwall, Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham, who've had success, obviously, uh, having come from within with no managerial experience at all. I mean, I guess it can work kind of both ways, can't it? Because there have been spectacular failures. You always get that kind of, sometimes you get that little bounce, like Bristol Rovers did with Graham Coughlin coming in there as well. But uh, you look at some of the teams in the promotion, mix like Mick Harford at Luton and now Lee Bowyer at Charlton Athletic and I just think for me uh, Lee Bowyer is the manager of the year in League One I think that the job he's done again when teams are winning the backdrop of financial problems and difficulties at the football club suddenly don't get talked about very very true Simon Watts has been crunching the numbers good work excellent work sir see Sunday nights you don't need to watch TV fluff now uh, mentioning Gareth Ainsworth there he still got it, Sam Parkin. Did you see his overhead kick in a Legends game a couple of weeks ago? I did, I did indeed. Why? From a corner f- kick. Yeah, well, yeah, direct. What a finish. 
and he's trying his best to keep Wickham up because they've been on a horrible run. But Beast Mode on on Saturday, a couple of goals in four minutes from Bioac in Fenwar, yeah. and uh, the, the survival's back on as they win two 0 at South End. Two beautiful finishes, real centre forwards goals, and I understand he wasn't necessarily at his best to that point, and uh, a few of the Wickham supporters that I've seen, you know, speaking about the game, maybe thought he was going to be replaced. One of those days when the referee's giving everything against him because obviously, you know, he, he uses physicality backing in. But yeah, they had a really good last 15, 20 minutes against Portsmouth, if you if you think back. And it looks like Gareth Ainsworth maybe just stumbled across a formula with Freeman and, and Kashkat supporting uh, Akin Femmer and Samuel. And I think there's been quite a lot of different permutations in terms of the personnel in recent weeks. So that's a real positive for moving forward. But more than anything, desire, I think, and energy, everything that was lacking in South End's performance, who had Cox and uh, Humphreys back in tandem. But, mm. you know, they're even, you know, put Fleetwood last week aside. I think South End for me are the ones that are in enormous trouble because they're lacking the confidence and the, and the real fundamentals. And just quickly, a big win for Accrington, Simon, over Warsaw. You mentioned, you know, Martin O'Connor, skip coming in there to uh, the Banksies to try and rescue the situation. And interesting, always, I always find it interesting, a guy like Martin, who I know pretty well, who's been working on local radio, like you do, Sam, talking about Warsaw an awful lot, and suddenly he's got the gig, and he's, he's now coaching and managing these players who he's been, at times, quite critical of on the air. And he did call the performance an embarrassment at, uh, at Accrington. They've got a couple of massive games coming up as well over the Easter weekend against teams around them in the table. I really, I've admired the way Walsall have kind of hung in there in League One over the years without a lot of money, particularly. In, in, They've never had money. Yeah, exactly. But this is a kind of cyclical thing. They seem to change manager around this time of year every season, don't they? And, mm. uh, uh, you know, Martin O'Connor has kind of put his neck on the block a little bit because he's a bit of a legend at the football club. He's only been there since February after he was brought in by Dean Keats. And I have to say their performance against Oxford last week where the Oxford were down to 10 men for the whole second half was absolutely abject and on the basis of that evidence I would be seriously worried for Walsall and like Sam says for South End as well you know I don't see the wisdom in appointing Kevin Bond until the end of the season I don't know what he could have done any better than Chris Powell given their chronic injury list there at the moment and I see no sign of that easing and I, I, I think both of those teams could be in desperate, desperate trouble. Well, we'll get to the relegation odds in just a minute for League One, but Joe Crowley from William Hill, we focused on the top this week whilst we've been chatting with Simon and with Sam, who's going up automatically with Luton, I assume. Barnsley, one to two to go up automatically. Sunderland are four to six for promotion, so they're favourites to win the playoffs, if indeed it does come to that for them. Well, who's missing out then in the playoffs? It all looked like um, no one was going to break into that top six. Do you see anybody getting in ahead of Doncaster? No, Donny 1-12, to uh, Peterborough 15-2, to Coventry 40-1 and Burton 100-1. to OK, looking at the bottom four, Bradford, Warsaw, Southend and Wimbledon in the bottom four spots. Wimbledon just a point adrift of safety with Rochdale just above the dotted line. What do the relegation odds say? Uh, yeah, so the odds kind of mirror the the division at the moment Bradford really short price 200 to 1 on for relegation Walsall 2 to 5 Southend 4 to 9 and then Wimbledon uh, 8 to 11 so that's just half a point below even money uh, Rochdale the other side half a point just above even money at 5 to 4 and then Scunthorpe 7 to 4 how far up are we going we're going up to Bristol Rovers now so um 7 to 4 Scunthorpe then there's a bit of a gap Plymouth 
Accrington and Wickham five to one, six to one, six to one, uh, and then Bristol Rovers look pretty safe at twenty fives. They're five points clear <laughs> of AFC Wimbledon, but the odds reflect that. There's a lot of teams between them and Trouble. Thank you for the time being, Joe. That's all done and dusted for League One. One more stop, and that's in League Two. I'm Graham Wilcos, here to tell you that the Bradley Wiggins show from Eurosport is back for a brand new series. For 20 years I've just been called a hero and a legend, you know, and other things obviously, but only behind the back. <laughs> we'll bring you stage-by-stage analysis of the Giro d'Italia, the World Championships, La Vuelta, and of course, the Tour de France. Oh, he's got him! Second time down, he's back Each week, Sir Brad and our panel of cycling experts will be taking a deep dive into the world of two wheels and lycra. Brailsford could put his hand down a toilet and pull chocolate out. The Bradley Wiggins Show from Eurosport is your essential guide to the greatest events in cycling. Subscribe now on Audioboom, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. So Lincoln are able to start celebrating their impressive promotion as the league leaders have done nothing but impress all season long. All we have to do now is see if they have the impetus to keep going for the remaining matches. We can improve on that, I'm sure. <clears throat> anyway, football 1-1 between the Imps and Cheltenham. A lovely long-range effort from Shane McCartan to get things going at Sinsall Bank, Simon Watts. They got pegged back. Cheltenham have been much better of late. But uh, congratulations to the Cowley brothers. Another wonderful little memento of, a, of another great season in charge at Lincoln City. Yeah, definitely. And it's the momentum that has carried them through from last season after losing in those playoffs. They've just carried on building year on year, a team that just gets stronger and stronger, added some uh, experience and League Two now to an already strong squad in the summer. And they've never really looked back, have they? So strong all season. And I watched their game against MK Dons last week at Milton Keynes, which was you know, probably the biggest test against the team who was second in the table at the time took five and a half thousand supporters to that game and they were comfortable 2-0 winners in the end and uh, I'm going to look forward to seeing them in League One next season because I think the way they set up and the way that they play teams aren't going to like it and I think they could be you know potentially a bit of a surprise package in League One next year You do suspect Sam Parkin that the Cowley brothers will stick around uh, you know, for the continuity season on season, because of course, the, you know they're they're marked men now. When Joe looks at odds for for various managerial vacancies, the Cowley brothers are in there, aren't they? They seem to have it very much mapped out for them. I think you know each season after season where they want their careers to go. And Danny Cowley, straight after the final whistle, you know, speaking about a number of the players in the dressing room and him and Nicky, it's going to be the highest level they've ever competed. So mm. yeah, do it with Lincoln, you know, because they know the place inside out they play a a certain way which I would say this year they've gone away from a little bit there's a bit more football and there's some um, some better ball playing midfield players in the team now like Andrade and and Anderson but Simon's right to focus on the the spine of the team the the signings that they brought in last summer just to give them a bit of an upgrade from what they had last year has proved pivotal but they do the dark arts well they're obviously brilliant from set pieces they don't concede from open play Mm. they get all the fundamentals of the game, the, the nasty stuff, spot on. And now they've got a bit more of a sprinkling of talent. So, yeah, fantastic. Well done to them. And, and next year, completely concur. They'll be competitive in League One, yep. no doubt about that. Many congrats to Lincoln. Berry, who've got so many off-field problems to deal with and were struggling on the pitch as well, Simon. Three losses in a row, but beating Colchester, who are struggling themselves to you know keep themselves in the playoff pack. Uh, in fact, they're outside of it now. 2-0 to the Shakers at Gig Lane 
Dominic Telford got a, a couple again. And Ryan Lowe said, I made some changes. And it was a case of seeing who was in the right frame of mind to play. Yeah, I was really worried for them, to be honest with you, because that slump in form coincided with the stories that came out that they hadn't been paid in March. And you put the two together and think it's got to be affecting the dressing room there. It can go one of two ways, can't it? I know Northampton got promoted under Chris Wilder when they weren't getting paid and, you know, it seemed to galvanise them. But at this late stage of the season, it was the worst time to lose form. So that was an absolutely massive victory for them. And it's so tight there. They're now up to, to second place in the table. Teams doing their best at the moment to play them themselves out of the top three positions it seems so whether they can stay there now over the coming weeks or not I don't know but it would be an incredible achievement for another of those kind of first time managers in the form of Ryan Lowe if you Mm. could get them up with that backdrop this year with salaries still not paid. Mansfield in third, Milton Keynes in fourth. I am right in thinking it's MK against Mansfield on the final day of the season, yeah. isn't it? Ooh, tasty or what? I, I suspect it, it may well go down to that final game, Sam Parking. Winner goes up. Could very well do. Paul Tisdale said as much after their defeat at, at Tranmere. No shame in that. You know, Tranmere conceded only 11 at home all season. I think you asked me a couple of weeks ago, Dance, and it was nine at that point. That's right. Conceded a couple more. Only Swindon and Northampton have scored more than one there all season, which... Is incredible, really. Outside, you know, top flight, Liverpool, Man City maybe can do that type of thing. But but the run-in for Tranmere, Forest Green, Lincoln, Berry, and Crawley for their for their last for four. Tranmere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, very difficult to force themselves into the into the reckoning. It's going to be, as I said last week, I think Lincoln, Berry, and then um, MK Dons are my three. I'm not going to go away from that. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Jonathan Harris has asked, "What's everyone's thoughts on the four positions in the League Two playoff pitch, and who's best equipped to win it?" So, with the four in there at the moment are Milton Keynes, Tranmere, Forest Green, and Exeter, bubbling under with half a chance of getting involved. Well, there's basically five teams: uh, Carlisle on 61, and then Colchester, Swindon, Stevenage, and Newport on 60 behind 65 point Exeter. So. First things first, are any of those teams bubbling under going to crash the party? No, not not in my mind. Um, I saw Swindon Newport last week. One of those teams, if they'd have taken maximum points, I think would have given themselves a chance, but Swindon have since dropped points at Oldham. I know Newport won at the weekend, but I wasn't overly impressed okay. uh, with Newport. Stevenage, not the consistency for me, and, and Carlisle on a bit of a downward slide. So I think it is as it is. It's obviously going to probably be Exeter, Forest Green, Tranmere, and, and one or the other of Mansfield or MK. If we assume, let's say, Milton Keynes don't make it and Mansfield keep their position, Simon, we're looking at MK, Tranmere, Forest Green, Exeter... Where would your money be going? For me, Tranmere Rovers, for three reasons, really. I think that team who finishes fourth, if it stays as it is right now, either MK or Mansfield are going to be on a massive downer for having not got automatic promotion. Uh, They got a player in James Norwood who was 40-1 to to be the League Two top scorer at the beginning of the season. And he's got 27 goals, seven ahead of his nearest rival. So... In him, they've got goals in their team. And I just think as a team who got promoted last year, they've got no fear about them. And Mm. I think that they will go into this with an absolute nothing to lose attitude, whereby maybe the weight of expectation, maybe the weight for someone like Exeter of of having lost for the last two years in the playoff final might weigh on their shoulders a little bit more. Speaking of Exeter, let's form a new group called the Hiram Boateng Goal Appreciation Society. What a goal! that Hiram Boateng scored for Exeter at St James's Park on Saturday. His first goal in 11 months. But, Sam, describe it for those that haven't seen it, because it's parking-esque. 
I can do this well, actually, because <laughs> Craig Woodman was there when I was there. He played a little, just lofted ball. He actually picked him out quite nicely from left back into him, touched on his chest, flicked it onto his left foot, which is his favoured foot. And I think, you don't really see it from that angle, but I, I think he hits it outside of the left foot, right across the goalkeeper into the, into the far side netting at the big bank end. It's a brilliant goal, and I love that all the lads went and had a pile on, and I noticed that Craig Woodman just jogs back to his position. <laughs> and for the year I was there, he said about two words to me every day. He gets in, does his training, goes home, Craig Woodman. He's a, he's a great fella, but I just thought that was brilliant. One of the best goals that's probably ever graced that stadium. He's back in left back doing up his laces. Just another day at the office for Craig Woodman. I mean, yeah, that was an amazing goal. That was an amazing goal and something you wouldn't expect to see in, in League 2. But I've, I've liked the look at him of him as a player over the last few years really I think he did quite well down at Plymouth actually a couple of seasons ago so yeah I think that's goal of the season in League 2 for me and they needed that Exeter following the defeat to Macclesfield in the week and incidentally those three at the bottom of League 2 all lost at the weekend so Macclesfield still stay above the bottom two Yeovil and Notts County are bottom both on 37 points Macclesfield on 39 so it's always odd in odds land. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Who's going to join Lincoln in League One automatically? Berry and Mansfield, as you can uh, well imagine, are, are very short prices uh, for promotion. So it looks like Mansfield will win out in that two-horse race between them and MK Dons. Berry one to nine, Mansfield a hundred to thirty on for promotion. And Milton Keynes, who are fighting for that third automatic spot, along with Mansfield. Considering that last game of the season to come, it could well be winner goes up. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's a, a toss of a coin, but Milton Keynes are uh, five to two. Now, are there any teams that that the odds reflect are standing a chance of breaking into that playoff pack? The likes of Carlisle, Colchester, Swindon, Stevenage, Newport. Well, you would have thought that the uh, the gap was was perhaps a little too big. However, the prices are, are relatively short. Newport are five to one to break into the the top 7 Carlisle 6 to 1 and uh, Swindon 7 to 1 Colchester and Oldham both 10 to 1 mm. uh, I don't suppose much has changed down at the bottom seeing as as I mentioned all three of the relegation protagonists all lost No it's uh, it's as you were Yeovil have got a little bit shorter for relegation there 1 to 5 Notts County 2 to 7 and Macclesfield 11 to 10 Joe thank you Easter weekend is approaching and, of course, an awful lot can happen in the EFL. In the Championship this weekend, Norwich will be promoted on Good Friday if they beat Sheffield Wednesday in the evening kickoff. but that is dependent on Sheffield United losing to Nottingham Forest in the early game in the Championship. Bolton will be relegated, sorry Joe, unless they gain more points against Aston Villa than either Wigan, earn against Leeds or Mill will get against Brentford. Confusing, but it will play out as it plays out on the day. And Bradford, who you mentioned earlier, what, 200-1 to to beat the drop? They've got to beat Coventry City on Good Friday to delay the chance of relegation. Anything standing out for you from the... Good Friday fixture list in the Championship, Simon Watts. Leeds against Wigan because it's a game that has a huge impact on both ends of the table. Wigan's relegation battle and Leeds United so close now. I went to uni in Leeds. I saw them in the year they were relegated 15 years ago now and it would just be so great to see them back in the Premier League. So, uh, so much riding on that game. They can feel it now after the weekend results. But the Championship being a Championship, you just, just never do know. So I wouldn't put it beyond Wigan to go there and upset the party. And a quick mention on Leeds against 
since Wigan, courtesy of our friend Barca Jim. There are 70 Wigan fans walking from, you guessed it, Wigan to Leeds to raise money for a charity called Joseph's Goal. Now, Joseph Kendrick is 11 years old and has NKH, which is a very rare life-limiting genetic disorder that severely affects his development. Now, this walk, Joseph's Walk, is to raise funds for research into this disorder. And although it will come too late for Joseph, the family are keen to establish a lasting legacy. Wigan, as a town and a football club, are huge supporters of the charity. Anybody wishing to support can Google Joseph's Goal or find the link on Barca Jim's Twitter, which is at Barca Gym 63 and our, our best wishes go to Joseph's family. Now, elsewhere in the Championship, Sam Park and Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest at the other end of the day, the, the, the first kick-off in the day, so a chance for United to kind of lay down a marker. Yeah, and, and Nottingham Forest having a bit of a poor end to the season after an initial upturn in form under Martin O'Neill, so I would expect Chris Wilder's men to get, to get back to winning ways there. Elsewhere, Simon Watts dipping down to League One. We mentioned them earlier, two sides with interim managers. Walsall against Southend at the Banks' Stadium. A win for either would be massive. Well, two teams in the relegation zone, but massively out of form at the moment as well. And as I mentioned, Walsall got a couple of games over the Easter weekend, which could have a huge impact on their season. And I know as a team who I support were down there in the mire for so long, I think every fan of those teams in the bottom half of the table will be looking at it and knowing that four points, maybe six points even over the Easter weekend could really catapult you from even the relegation zone up into mid-table. And Notts County MK Dons, Sam Park in at Meadow Lane, bottom versus a side chasing top because as we mentioned MK Dons lost at the weekend so did Notts County but Neil Ardley desperate to get something on the board I don't know I've got a funny foot maybe they could do it I don't know they've got some tough games coming up they finish at Swindon as well so none more so than, than that game against MK Dons but you know Paul Tisdale's men have faltered in some of these away games recently so it, it, it's a massive one I think Macclesfield have got the best fixtures looking at it. I know I change my mind every week, but I think they've got a fantastic opportunity to get out of it given the, the, the teams that they're playing. And then when we move along to Easter Monday, when everyone takes 48 hours off and then gets straight back at it, Brentford against Leeds catches the almost definitely Simon in the, in the championship at, at Griffin Park. I know Brentford don't have a great deal to play for, but the style of football has been very, very entertaining. And who knows what Leeds will need? Yeah, absolutely. I love watching Brentford and Ben Rama, Neil Mopai up front have are a joy to watch and as dangerous as any attacking sort of players in the championship this season. So yeah, little to play for, I guess. But I, I don't think they're gonna, you know, end the season weekly. And even though they lost at Reading at the weekend, as you say, I think that's a, a tough fixture and a tough one for Leeds United. And you wonder, Sam, whether Coventry can do to Portsmouth on Easter Monday what they've just done to Sunderland up at the Stadium of Light. Yeah, like I said, I've. I've really enjoyed watching Coventry this season that point that Luton Town got at home to Coventry could prove to be a really important one you know moving forward so yeah I mean Coventry on their day very good side but Portsmouth with Lowe at the top of his game now Pittman playing in this withdrawn role with with Hawkins they're in great form you know them and Charlton are in fantastic form and those two likely to meet each other in the playoffs. And on Easter Monday in League Two, just finally Oldham against Mansfield, who of course are currently sitting in third, Simon. Oldham doing really well now, Paul Scholes has decided not to bother. 
Well, it's funny, isn't it, when you look at the, the job Saul Campbell did, and I think we all, and I count myself in that question, whether he'd do very well at Macclesfield, uh, because when you're a big name dropping down, you just think, how are they going to cope? Paul Scholes is the other end of the scale as <laughs> somebody who dropped down and only won win in seven. But Pete Wilde, who was the interim manager before him, uh, did an astounding job in his short spell in charge. And uh, it'll be very good to see him finish the season well, because I think it's a great story. He's an old and fan, isn't he? And only about mm. 32, 33 years of age. So if he could land that job on the permanent basis between now and the end of the season, it'll be an interesting one to watch, yeah. particularly with all the goings on at Oldham at the moment. Mansfield, though, just finally, Sam Parkin, they've got goals in them. Tyler Walker, of course, grabs most of the headlines for the Stags. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that draw at Northampton because of no shots on target by all accounts. It was a, a corner kick that floated all the way in. And I thought it was one of those occasions you're going to get a lot towards the end of the season. A club in Northampton, a lot of players fighting for their futures, even though you may be sitting in mid-table, when you come up against those top sides, all the teams at the bottom that need points to, to salvage their season, there's, there's, there's pressure on every game and there's the opportunity to get new contracts, put yourself in the manager's mind for next season. So off the pace at Northampton, um, going to be interesting to see how they bounce back this weekend. Interesting note on Northampton as well is that at the weekend, Keith Curl left about three of their regular senior players out of the lineup against Mansfield and opted to play some of his younger fringe players as well, which suggests he's looking between now and the end of the season to, to look ahead to next year, which mm. obviously might have a bearing on how those games pan out too. Interesting stuff. Well, look, that's all for this week's show, but it's a very busy Easter weekend to come and by the time the Totally Football League show reconvenes next week goodness knows what will have happened to the respective tables a huge thank you to Simon Watts Sam Parkin and Joe Crilly for joining me Ian Danta have a very merry Easter everyone don't eat all your chocolate at once for goodness sake you've been listening to the Totally Football League show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts Spotify Audio Boom and everywhere else you get your audio on demand Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing but then come the injuries the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats that's a little bit like life really and here at the Totally Football Show we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team through the good days and the bad and that's why we're continuing to work with Calm the campaign against living miserably a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide on average 12 men take their own life every day in the UK so that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day and part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.